Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. We are recording this episode on a Monday. It's Monday, November 8th, so that means you already know that Tyler Rucker, a.k.a. Backward V, is joining me. And also joining me, dropping some stuff over there, Mr. Mr. Corey Tulliba, making his presence well-known from, from the Draft Dack, good friend, co-worker, cohort, whatever you want to say in those ceilings now. The, the gang is all here except for Albert. Albert could not join us tonight, but that's okay. We'll get Albert. Albert was being a star last week on another oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah Albert. Al, Al, Albert's living it up on, on other shows. Like, like screw it. Who needs the Draft Deeper podcast anymore, right? He's just going to go out and do all these other projects. But, uh, Corey, you're, you're, you're the guest of honor tonight. How you doing, my friend? I'm honored to be here as the guest of honor. I'm stoked. I mean, I, let me just quickly say, I'm so proud of Albert. You know, seeing seeing his star seeing his star blossom um, is is so exciting. So I I'm sad that he uh, can't join us, but I'm excited to uh, get into what we're about to get into here on the Draft Deeper podcast. Tyler, how you doing? I'm good. I, I mean, just like Corey said, uh, you know, Albert's got a big head now. He went on one podcast and he was a guest, and now he's signing autographs. So he couldn't be with us tonight. But no. Very excited for what we're about to do. I think this is going to be one of the best ones of the year so far. Absolutely it is. So again, Monday, November 8th, by the time my audience hears this, it will already have been the start of the college basketball season. We will have already um, had the Champions Classic pass us by. Uh, Corey and I will be having a reactions piece out the same day that we released this podcast on Wednesday, November 9th, talking about the Champions Classic. But college basketball isn't why we're here, boys. We're here. And I wanted to have Corey and Albert, now just Corey, back on. Because last year, to talk about the G League Ignite team, to do a little bit of preview and a check-in on those guys, I had the guys from the Draft Act podcast on. So it's only fitting that I bring Corey on for this episode of the podcast to keep the tradition going, right? So G League Ignite, up to this point, they've played four games. Very mixed bag this year, I, I have to say. When I'm watching these four games, the, the main thing that stands out to me, this team does not have a good point guard running the show. And I think that that makes life so much harder for everybody else we're going to talk about before we do any of the other individual deep dives. Corey, I'll start with you as I called you the guest of honor. How are you feeling about the G League Ignite experience through these first four games? What are some of your thoughts, big picture thoughts, as you're watching this team so far? Well, you said mixed bag. And it's kind of like a mixed bag of like just all bad stuff. So it's a mix of all the bad stuff that you get. Like it's it's like the bottom crumbs in like a chips bag, but the whole bag is just made up of the crumbs. And you're just like, ah, can I just have one more solid Dorito? But you can't because it's just powder. <laughs> and that's what I've gotten from watching this G League team. Like you said, they don't have a point guard. I mean, last year they had they were able to lean on a guy like Jarrett Jack, right? This year they don't have that. And it, it's just, it looks sloppy. It looks like a mess. It's just not as exciting as it was last year because it doesn't seem as professional. Now, it's early, and these guys are a little bit less seasoned and aren't 
as hyped up. They don't, you know, none of these guys I think have that same blue chip, um, you know, kind of label on their shoulder coming in. Even a guy like Jaden Hardy, because he doesn't have, and we'll get into it, but he, you know, he's not coming in with like the FIBA experience, uh, that like some of the guys did last year. It's just, it's not pretty. It's a lot of kind of last run at LA Fitness after like three hours of basketball from the jump. It's not to say that there's not positives to take away from it. It's just, this ain't your mama's G League. No, no, this is not, definitely not the same vibes. I mean, last year they came out of the gate in the bubble and they were they were winning some games. And this year, I mean, their first game, they were down 20 to nothing. Like, and it seemed like that happened very, very, very quickly. Um, Bomaro was just completely tearing them to shreds. And, yeah, the defense definitely hasn't been pretty. I mentioned the the lack of point guard play. Poo, Poo ain't getting it done for me. I'm sorry. 37-year-old point guard coming in. God bless him. He's a veteran, but he, he's, he's not getting it done for me. Tyler, what are some of your initial thoughts on the G League United experience? Just kind of echo what Corey said. Do you have any other thoughts before we get into Hardy? No, I, I think Corey's spot on. It's sloppy. You know, that's that's the one way you could look at it. It seems like it's a bunch of young guys that are having to get forced to take on the role as a primary ball handler. And I, I think we're we're also seeing, you know, last year with the guys like Jalen Green and Kaminga, they had those scrimmages against the veterans. They had a couple, you know, exhibitions to get rolling to get the feel before we saw him in the bubble and this year it's kind of more just thrown into the fire and you know I, I i think it's early you can see though like Corey said like jared jack that was a really strategic smart piece that this team yeah. had last year that they don't have this year and you know respect to poo jeter but it's just not the same and you can see that these young guys are getting pressured they're having to adjust right out of the gate and it's going to take some time. So let's start with the main man of the show. That would be Jaden Hardy, who I think all of us at one point or another during this preseason process really were vocal about, he should be in the conversation for top overall prospect in the 2022 NBA draft up there with Chet and Paolo and whoever else you want to put in that conversation early on. And I got to be honest, I'm not as down on him, I think, as some people want to initially react to. The shooting numbers are not good. So he's played in two out of the four games, six for 29 from the field overall, one of 13 from three-point range, eight total turnovers. You hear those numbers and you go, what the hell is going on? Um, I watched the film. I have different thoughts. I think that he actually hasn't been a bad shot creator. I think he's actually gotten a lot of good looks off. There are a number of shots that I can count on multiple hands, not just one hand, where they're literally like just barely rimming in and out. The mm -hmm. little spin cycle on the rim, and you feel like if three, four, five more of those fall, we're having a potentially different conversation about Hardy. All of a sudden, you're looking more at how he actually created the shot versus the result itself and just focusing everything on the box score numbers. Um, I am down on him on the defensive end i don't know if we necessarily want to start there as a table setter it's usually not sexy to talk about defense first on a podcast like ours i don't know how much that draws in the audience but he has he has been at times horrific on defense i'm not gonna lie to you boys and i didn't necessarily see that coming when you watch him in high school and then you kind of 
get a look at him before he actually starts playing in the games. His body's pretty filled out for a six, four guard. Um, he, he's, he's definitely strong. He shows that on the offensive end. He's able to finish through contact, get through guys a little bit, but defensively he does not fight through screens. He does not know what's going on off the ball. The majority of the time you, he, I even think that he's not as competitive probably as he should be in different one-on-one on ball situations. Like I I'm, I, I was hoping that there would be a bright spot defensively when I went back and watched the film after I looked at the box score stuff to kind of be like, okay, well, there might be something here, even though he struggled in other areas. But yeah, Hardy's Hardy's been a mixed bag, but I'm not completely all out on the offense. Before we do too much of a deep dive in the offense, Tyler, what are some of your thoughts on the Jaden Hardy experience through these two games that he's played for Ignite? You know, the, the game against Iowa, I think you found out in a hurry just – you know, kind of what a wake-up call it was. Like, you could tell right away, you know, Balmero was all over him. He was kind of like, what the heck's going on? You know, I'm not getting by guys easily. You know, it's what we kind of potentially were going to expect with a young guy that's all of a sudden taking a jump in the playing competition. So I wasn't as discouraged as I think a lot of people were. Um, you know, he his second game against the Lakers, I actually, like... It's weird. He had a terrible, if you look at it from a box score, it's terrible. I think he finished like two for 15, but you could see in the film from the first game, to the second game, like he's, he's seeing the game a little bit. Like he's knowing now we're like, okay, maybe I can do this. Like this game's, I'm not saying it's slowing down completely because he's still got a long way to go, but you could see that he's adjusting. Like you could see that he's like, okay, I, I know that I can make some, smart reads like there's going to be guys in the corner i thought the playmaking was a little bit better like he's showing some flashes but there was also some shots like you said nathan like he had like three or four shots i can count that were like 98 percent down and then just popped yep. out at the last second so i was like okay maybe we're talking about a different type of night if some of those shots go um i just think it's going to take some time you know it, he's they're kind of throwing the ball to him and me and like be our primary point guard at times. And it's just, it's going to take some time for him to feel out the rest of the game and understand, like, I don't have to shoot every time I can also create, which he's showing some flashes now of understanding that, but, um, you know, rough start, but I'm not as discouraged as you said, as like some others might be, I, I just think it's going to be a, a story we need to monitor throughout the year and see if he's taking those steps forward. Corey, you, you and Albert did a magnificent podcast on Jaden Hardy aptly called hard on for Hardy. The, the, the title is 100% creative. You always are excellent with the creative stuff. You've done a lot of graphic work. Um, a lot of that stuff already for no ceiling. So that department, you had it covered. I was thrilled to listen to that podcast as well for the content. Can you remind my audience really quick just how high you were on Hardy in case they didn't hear that podcast before we get into some of your criticisms with Ignite? Yeah, well, um, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's coming up with boner jokes. So I'll start there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we're off. And And we're off. Yeah, we're here. uh, Everyone knows that about me. So I was unbelievably high on Hardy. I, you know, I honestly, if you, if you just watched his high school tape, you'd be like, 
this guy is like the best shot maker for a guy his age that you've ever seen because it's some you know one of the things he did in high school AAU that he hasn't shown off at all at this point in, in the two games and it's obviously early is his range is the dumbest thing ever like pulling up from the logo and we've been accustomed to seeing that in the NBA with NBA players where guys are obviously pulling up but like Jaden Hardy is legitimately just doing like the LaMelo ball Chino Hills thing just all the time in high school and it looked so effortless so pretty we've mentioned it like on other pods and videos like it was weird when he hit the rim, right? So to see him come yeah. out and struggle so much as a shooter, you go, all right, it's, is it worrisome that he's not hitting shots? Not really. We know that's the thing that he's always going to be able to fall back on is that jump shooting. We've seen enough of that. But, and on, and I comped him to like a mix of like Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard for context as to how high I was on him entering the season. Now, you know, earlier when I was like, you know, we didn't see him in FIBA and in this high-level competition, I think that's important to contextualize why maybe he's not starting just guns blazing because he's never played against real high-level competition. So this level of competition, he's going from AAU, and it's not like he's not playing good AAU players, right? You know, he had games uh, against Chet and whatnot, but now he's playing professionals grown men guys that he's not more physically gifted than and now it's like okay he never needed the nuance and now he needs it in a hurry so that's why he's starting off slow and then you add that to the fact that there's nobody else on that team to take the pressure off of him offensively and having a guy like a Jarrett Jack last year that certainly helps there were games where that dude wasn't missing it just looked too easy for him right and that's a guy who there's no way he was an nba level rotation player at that point coming off and, of Achilles at 38 whatever you know um they, they also had dacia nicks coming off the bench too and i know that we kind yep. of killed nicks at different times but let's not take away from the fact that he is a table setter first and foremost and he just no doubt while, while he didn't have the individual talent to, to blow everybody away from a scoring standpoint and that's a huge reason why his stock dropped so mightily along with some of the physical concerns. There's no doubting his IQ and his mentality to make plays for others and make everyone else around him better. So like, yeah, Jared Jack and Dacia Nix were your two point guards last year. That makes a world's difference compared to what they have right now. You also had, and I'm blanking on his name, but like legendary uh, foreign player, uh, you know, player guy who played overseas for so many years last year, like veteran guy, I'm blanking on his name, but he was on the team last year too. So they had all these guards with experience and different skill sets to, uh, kind of help out with that transition. And then you also had Kaminga, who was a guy who demanded attention offensively, even if it wasn't the most efficient, just his strength and ability to get a shot off. They really don't have that outside of Hardy right now. So everything is on his shoulders in the kind of in the games that he's played a little bit. Like, you know, we'll talk about Daniels. That's not really his game fully either. So he's kind of trying to bridge that gap and he's a young guy. He kind of hard. is the de facto point guard at this point. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Hundred percent. And um and he's had his his moments for sure. But yeah, Hardy, I'm not willing to give up on him, but you do get to kind of look at the tape and be like well, you have to take something from it. And he is further behind than maybe I initially thought. Am I hitting the panic button? No. Remember remember after the first uh, G League game last year, everyone's like, all right, Jalen Green can't even blow by Nico Mannion. 
Like, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, he looked like Superman after that, right? So I'm sure, as Tyler alluded to, like, when the game slows down for him a little bit, it's going to look more comfortable. Now, defensively, I don't know how much the game's going to slow down or if he's going to put the effort, and not even the effort, but the time and understanding of, like, learning the defensive principles that you need to know at an NBA level. His favorite move in high school on defense was let me let the guy go by me and try to pick his pocket from behind. That is not a great habit unless you're playing pickup basketball because it doesn't matter. What, so, what, what, what bothers me so much defensively, though, with him is like the, uh, the opposing team is constantly trying to get him in pick and roll actions. And it's like he's, he doesn't even know that the screen's coming. It's kind of like, and, and that that's the case with like Beauchamp and, and Daniels as well. It's like these guys are so caught off guard when they have to defend screens. It's just like, oh, that's there, and they'll react like two seconds too late, and young everything's guys getting by them. Young guys don't talk. Well, that's I don't. Think, I don't that's don't the thing. And, and we'll get to Michael Foster as well. I don't think that he's doing a good job communicating on on, on the back end either. But yeah, it's just I, I I don't know if any of these guys, to be honest, are really going to come around that much defensively so i suppose we'll i, I suppose we'll, we'll keep this a very offensive focused podcast because i don't i yeah I, I don't have any other amazing brain take thoughts for for defense for for these guys but you Corey, you you just mentioned something um and i want to get your thoughts on it before i kick it back to tyler i'll give him the same question as what you talked about in high school he was so willing to do the, the I'm just going to pull up from quite literally anywhere past the three-point line and I'm going to hit the shot and you can't stop me. And he came out in that first game and every single thing he wanted to do was attack the basket, get inside, try to make something happen off the dribble, finish finish at the basket over or, or around like two to three different defenders. And it's like, this isn't the Jane Hardy that we were used to watching on on film. And even even if you don't study some of the full games like the three of us did, even if you're you're a casual draft fan and you go pop on the YouTube highlights, like Hardy wasn't doing that type of stuff. Like all of his YouTube highlight stuff is just him bombing all of these crazy three-point shots off the dribble. And it's almost like they're trying to rewire his mindset to be this different type of offensive guard. Do you think that do you think that's happening, Corey, or do you think that maybe he's gotten in his head a little bit, like, I need to try to do something different to help this team? Which which do you think it is? Well, uh, I think that it's probably the team telling him, like, hey, you know what would be awesome if you didn't start a possession uh, pulling up from 40 feet away with, like, 20 seconds on the clock? So try to take that part out of your game. I actually think they should let him shoot some of those shots. Yep. I yep. think he's comfortable out there. It's one of those things, like, even if you know, like, Dame is going to pull from there, you really don't see too many guys, like, up in his shirt from that spot, right? So a lot of times it's like an open look, and I think one of the things he's struggled with is he's not really doing a great job on ball at creating space, and everything is sped up for him. So he's almost forcing the issue because he's trying to get to spots that he can't necessarily get to. There are guys that are more experienced on defense that are coming over and they're in help position that maybe he's not accustomed to guys being in when he gets to certain spots. And he's just trying to figure out what to do. Where I think he's looked way better is where he's starting off ball and he's coming off like pin downs or or whatnot. And he's getting a little bit more space to where he can get ahead of steam. And that's why he's kind of attacking downhill more. But I think that he'd have more opportunities to attack 
or you know kind of generate that space if he was shooting from that far out stretching the floor a little bit more and kind of giving guys defensively like the thought in their head like oh no I have to guard from all the way out there so I think because he's so used to playing that way and he's not doing that two games in and not even like one like how many of those shot attempts like has he taken like not like barely any right like so I think he's got to let a few fly just so he could feel comfortable because right now he's got so many other things that it feels like he needs to think about on a basketball court. Learning how to be a guy who gets to his shots, which is something he is comfortable with, doesn't seem like something I want added on to his shoulders when he's already struggling you know, with the speed of the game. So I, I kind of want them to let him play a little bit more free. And if they are and it's just him trying to recalibrate because he's heard from a bunch of guys like, hey, you can't take those shots right now. You have to earn them. Then, you know, maybe he's got to play a little more free and get out of his head too. Tyler, talk about that a little bit as well, because you you alluded to in, in some of what you were saying to start off this episode that he's starting to now, at least by the second game, figure out a little bit of the playmaking balance and, that was something he really didn't do in the first game at all was, was learn how to change speeds a little bit, play at different paces, kind of take what the defense is giving him. He tried to force way too much, generally kind of like we were talking about inside the arc. But talk about comfort level with a player and figuring out their strengths and what they're good at and how to better assimilate them into an offense versus just making them be somebody who they aren't, because that's something that you and I have talked about before. That's something that I've harped on on this podcast so many times is figuring out these guys' strengths and how do they, how, what, what's the best version of themselves and, and how they can contribute to an NBA game right away or earn minutes on an NBA floor. What are they good at doing? And then you can kind of figure everything else out a, a little bit later. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, also going off what Corey said, it's weird watching his first game. It looks like he just got punched in the mouth and was like, uh, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't just blow by these guys easily. Like, how am I? And he was just having a nightmare the entire first game because he was like, okay, am I supposed to just attack? Like, do I have to create in the lane? Like, he just seems a little robotic right now. Like, he's kind of trying to play the right way, like Corey's saying. Like, it's... <laughs> It's almost funny as if he's been like reading his scouting like buzz of like, oh, we want to see him create and, you know, be a multiple level scorer. And he's trying to like prove that out of the gate where it's like play to your strengths and let the rest of the things come to you throughout the year. And, you know, you see that you see the flashes even in the second game, like you can see that he's he's doing things in the second game he wasn't in the first where it's like he's attacking and knowing like i'm gonna have a guy in the corner i drive and kick and he's wide open three but i it's just i i wish he would kind of do what he's been doing his whole life and let that confidence build to then expand the rest of his game because we know the threat he can be from outside i i'm agreeing with Corey. i'd like to see him kind of you know be confident, pull it from deep a couple of times. Like, you know, you're this gifted shooter from outside that has this scary lethal range we saw in high school. Like have, have a little confidence in your game right away. It just seems like he's trying to figure out 
too much at once, like yeah. trying to prove too much at once. And it's like, no, you need to get back what you're doing best. Let that take over your game because it's going to create the rest and open up things like that's going to create some driving lanes. That's going to make life a little bit easier. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's early, but we you really want to see him kind of take these next couple of games to start to get back to what he's doing best. And then everything else is going to follow. Because he's shown some flashes of really intriguing playmaking that I was more intrigued with than the bad performance shooting. Like, I saw him make some passes. I was like, that was a really nice decision. Like, he makes a couple. You're like, how did he even see that pass? Like, throwing it out top for Dyson for a three. Like, it's going to come around. I just think when you're playing at a, like, AAU, like Corey said, you don't have the U19. You don't have all this elite competition to get ready for the G League it's going to be a wake-up call, and it's been a wake-up call. So it's too easy. It's too early to hit the panic button. He's going to be fine. I, I agree on that wholeheartedly. It's one thing to try and, and mix in different things for party to try over the course of a game. And Tyler, you and I talked about the first time uh, we discussed Hardy that we wanted to see him operating pick and roll sets we wanted to see what he could do from a playmaking standpoint with the ball in his hands we wanted him to to get used to doing those things against nba players on a real court versus just throwing him into a college offense what whatever those coaches are going to run probably not the majority of what he's going to do in the nba we want him to get reps doing and operating within nba sets early on it's one thing to give him that experience but it's another to run those types of plays when they're not working like four five six seven times in a row and it's like this kid just immediately loses confidence and everything else he's doing and, and maybe that's part of the mental aspect as well that he is getting in his own head like this isn't working this isn't working i'm so used to making every single shot that i look at i'm used to being able to do this this and this i'm not being asked to do this this and this what am i supposed to do now and he kind of just like shuts down a little bit out there now to his credit he broke out of that shell a little bit and he kept going to more isolation type shots in the second game but you could tell in the first game he was he was really really rattled and that's not what we're used to seeing from from hardy i'm assuming that that Corey, you would come to the same conclusion after watching game one and game two yeah and and i mean i think tyler put it really nicely when he said he got punched in the mouth you know, it's thank like, you, thank you, Corey. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, he's like he's a kid he, who's he's like the iPhone that you know the the software is a little outdated, and maybe the new iPhone just came out, so the phone started you know not working the way it, it should because Apple's trying to get you the new one. But so it's just a little slow. You could still use it, right? It still does some really awesome things. It's just not as fast as you know the new phone and he needs to be the new phone that's what we expect from him but there's plenty of time it's going to be a long season it's going to be a long process and this is good for him maybe it's a good thing that he's not coming in and just setting the world ablaze and he can be humbled a little bit and be like okay i know what it, now i know what it takes to be a professional it's not as easy as it was when i was just in high school cooking you know kids that look like any one of us on a basketball court now he's he's up against uh you know guys like Mac McGlung who also look like us on a basketball court except you know they can windmill dunk from the free throw line. Yeah. But by the way, like I'm not going to sit here and list off every single familiar name that Ignite has already gone up against in four games. But like they've gone up against some some good players who had really good college careers or they've been around the G League. 
for a number of years and they're, they're just built ready to withstand anything that an 18 year old kid is going to throw at them. Like they're way too experienced to just let Jane Hardy come in here and just mow them over. And that's something that I don't think is talked about enough when we want to pick apart Jaden Hardy's game or Dyson Daniels game or Michael Foster's game, or Marjan Beauchamp's game. It's like, they're going up against legitimate, legitimate competition, better competition than some of these other domestic prospects are going to be going up against in the college ranks. That That's just the long and short of it. So we kind of have to be a little more patient with Ignite, given everything that we've pointed out, along with how much the competition jumps up on a night to night basis. But I think we're all in agreement. I think Hardy's definitely going to come around. Um, once upon a time, Jalen Green struggled in his first G League Ignite games or his first few. And then by the end of the season, when they made the playoffs, I don't know if this team's going to make a playoff run. But last year in the bubble, Ignite actually did make it into a playoff game against Raptors 905. And Jalen Green had 30 points. And everyone just walked away from that game like, oh, okay, this guy's ready to drop 20-plus points per game in the NBA. Like, all of our concerns are completely washed away. We're not going to put him four, five, or six anymore. Now he's going to go second overall in the draft. So, yeah, it, it's far, far, far too early to bury Hardy. Although we were all just talking about Jonathan Wasserman's rankings on Bleacher Report that he released. He's already dropped Hardy to number six. And, Corey, before we move on to, to Dyson Daniels, do you think there's going to be a, a similar stock report, stock drop? on Hardy after these first few games? Or do you think Wasserman might be one of the only quote-unquote media scouts who's overreacting? Um, well, I think the benefit that the other guys have as of, you know, when Wasserman dropped his thing is that nobody's played yet. Yep. So nobody's had a, a chance to also look bad. Who else, you know, dropped on his ranking? Sosa, right? Like, it's the guys who have played games. And, and the, the thing to remember in this preseason process is how fluid these boards are because in the beginning, it's like this weird high school tape that you really don't know how to quantify with one prospect versus the other. And we're all looking at like, oh, this guy is going to be, you know, the next, uh, you know, Kevin Durant. And this guy is going to be the next, you know, Blake Griffin mixed with this player and, and, you know, and so on and so forth, right? Like we're all looking at the upper tier outcome of all of these prospects. And guess what? Maybe one or two are probably going to hit anything close to that. And everybody else are going to have kind of like ho-hum, like, oh, these are young kids who need to get better also. So I, I don't know when the rest of the, you know, draft world is going to be releasing updates to their boards. You, you know, it will be following it. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this right now, check out the, you know, first draft deck in written form on the No Ceilings substack because I've accumulated uh, all of the mainstream rankings, averaged them out, and given you kind of a, a consensus opinion on all of the players that we dropped, which uh, you can read. So I, I think that maybe some guys will, will drop a little bit, but, you know, if a couple of these other guys come out and they're not doing too much, like, I don't know how much he can kind of free fall because I think that his potential is something that people are still going to bank on versus like Yannick where it's like, all right, he's a raw defensive kid who's skinny. It's easier to drop him and have send him to a free fall because you know, he's not going to go get buckets. And I think we all think that at some point uh, Hardy's going to get buckets. I asked that question to Corey for a reason, because I knew he was going to plug his content <laughs> and I knew that he was going to do the no ceilings plug justice because Corey was already doing that last year on the draft deck. He was updating everyone with 
average stock prices for every single prospect that him and Albert broke down. And he's going to keep doing that on his podcast, the draft act, but he's also going to do it in writing over in those ceilings. So if you aren't subscribed to that damn newsletter yet, I, I, I don't really know what else to tell you. Like we, we are pumping out quality content every single day, Monday through Friday, having you pumped for the college season. We're going to update you on virtually everything in the draft world for the 2022 cycle. So definitely go subscribe to that. We've all shared it's the free. links on our own. It, it's it's free. It's literally free. Free, you, free you 99, y'all. It's you get free. It, that's right. You get it dropped in your email inbox every single day. If for whatever reason you want to be a curmudgeon, you don't want to sign up for the email list, at least go read the pieces. We're sharing them all over the place on social media. Don't be a curmudgeon. Definitely subscribe to the newsletter. But if you want to be, you know, the the the, the choice is yours. But is that, that a real somehow word? I'm, curmudgeon? Somehow I'm, I'm the oldest guy here, and somehow uh, Nathan just said a word spoken by 75-year-old, you know. Is that a real word? Women. I need a dictionary. Like, I need a thesaurus right now. I, I'm told by my girlfriend all the time that I have an old soul. So okay, yes, then I, it's a real word. <laughs> just just, just got to... Just got to let that one go. Let Nate's face get all red for, for the video edition <laughs> of this podcast. That's another great plug. If you aren't watching this on YouTube, definitely go check it out. Draft Deeper. We'll get it up on the No Ceiling YouTube channel as well. See, plugs plugs all around, guys. Thank you for, for, for letting me do that plug as well. But moving on, let's talk about two other prospects playing for Ignite. If you would talk to scouts, they're probably going to have more positive things to say about these two for, for different reasons and in different sample sizes, but still more positive nonetheless than just completely talking about why isn't Hardy doing this or that. We'll start with Dyson Daniels. So up to game four, I would say that if you were to not factor in any of the preseason hype, if we weren't factoring in all of the long-term projection stuff if you were just evaluating those three games you might look at Daniels and say he he could very well be the best prospect on this Ignite team um, he certainly has the best feel for the game amongst all of these prospects that we're going to talk about he's definitely the headiest player so far I'm seeing of that crop of guys he plays at his own pace he doesn't let anyone speed him up um He's averaging 11.8 points per game so far through four games. He did have a 22-point game on 9 for 15 shooting against the South Bay Lakers. I'd say that's a pretty good stat line for a youngster. He can make shots off the catch. He can operate with the ball in his hands. As we kind of alluded to, he's become the de facto point guard for this Ignite team. I mentioned that I have a lot of the same defensive concerns with him as I did with Hardy, and we'll get into a little bit of that with Beauchamp when we get to him, although he's probably been the most impressive out of all these guys defensively. The thing about Daniels, he's one of these guys I have so much trouble reading because we know he's smart. We know that he understands how to play the game on both ends of the floor, but He's another one of those wings. He just looks a step slow. No matter what he's doing, he just looks slow. And you wonder, when he gets on an NBA floor, how is this going to translate? And we've actually seen more of these guys do perform well on an NBA court nowadays because the game is so mentally focused. It's not about isolation, who's the best athlete, who can get by everybody all the time. It's about who can make the right play more often than not nowadays. And you factor that in 
and you look at Daniels and, and maybe that eases some of the athletic concerns, but I don't know, Tyler, what, what, what do you think when you go back and watch some of the Dyson Daniels film with, with me saying that he, he seems a, a step slow. Does that concern you at all? Any, any of his athletic traits, you think he's built fine? How, how do you think his game's going to, going to translate after what you've seen from these first four games? I like the feel a lot. I think you pointed out right away that kind of jumped off um, when you're watching him on tape. He just seems under control. He's playing yeah. it at his speed. He he can do a lot of things that it really jumped out. I was like, okay, like I, I need to be watching Dyson like more carefully throughout the year. Like I he definitely piqued my interest. You know, you know, the speed thing you, you mentioned jumped out at me too, because it was like he's not quick. Um I don't, he doesn't play with change of gears, which is just something that always drives me crazy. If, if you're not using your hesitations to set up people really well, and you're not this guy that can use three or four gears to kind of, you know, set the defense up, I always get a little concerned about if a quicker defender is going to be in front of you, what are, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to adjust to that? So, I was most intrigued to talk to you guys about Daniels because that's something that kind of jumped at me. I was like, okay, I love everything he brings to the table. He looks like a really intriguing guy to monitor throughout the year, but I'm wondering if like he should be focusing on developing his feel with like setting up defenders with using hesitations, kind of selling. If you're not going to be quick and super fast with the ball, you need to be able to sell like your your movements and stuff. And he even had a sequence where I think he got posted up and he he tried to do like a KG fake, and the defender was like, "No, you're not going by me!" Like, and he he got a charge on him, and I was just like, "You didn't sell me at all." So I think that's the next step where I was like, "Okay, he has a lot of tools. He can shoot the outside shot. He's got that slow man like." not Kyle Anderson vibes, but just like that slow solid form where he loads up and everything's kind of smooth, but not in a hurry, but he's just gotta, he's gotta take that next step of like being able to sell it, being able to use his fakes and stuff. If you're not going to blow by people. He's not a creator type to me. He seems best suited as just one of those fourth or fifth options on your team where you kind of just, you slot him into the lineup. He's not going to do anything stupid, but he's not going to blow you away either. It's not like he's going to consistently get 20 plus points per game and kind of, you can count on him to, you know, lead lead a second unit fully or or get his own shot all the time. He just doesn't seem like one of those prospects to me, but the three of us generally love evaluating really smart basketball players. Mm -hmm. And we know that at the end of the day, those guys, seem at least nowadays to be translating to the NBA game. Corey, what are your thoughts on Dyson Daniels and what you've seen from him so far? Well, you know, what's interesting is that I was really excited to watch Daniels because I thought that in the the FIBA tournament, he actually did kind of play with an interesting pace. And he did kind of have these like, on like, oh, I'm going to put the burners on now that I got you frozen a little bit. But you see the difference in like, talent and and just with age right and in a big in a better league versus playing under 19 year old kids so i think that he has it in him but again he's adjusting to the speed just like anybody else now i do think that he has been kind of the most basketball savvy of you know this group and that's kind of like you guys mentioned the stuff that we like to see and he's shown some really interesting glimpses of like 
he's coming off a screen and then oh look at that he's he hit the weak side corner like on a on a bullet and like that's really fun and he's done that multiple times so it's not just something that like he got lucky with this one time that he saw it at the corner of his eye it's something that he's cognizant of which is important but you also mentioned like he shouldn't really be like your full-time point guard if you want to have like any kind of monicum of success right but he does seem like the kind of guy that like maybe he could run some like second side actions pretty consistently when the ball swings to him and you could see him playing in a smart system like a you know a Memphis or something where you know you mentioned that you play with other smart players who know what to do and you know maybe the lack of jump out of the gym burst athleticism type stuff doesn't matter as much because everybody knows where to be what to do their role and and everything like that so I think that the the swing skill for him is obviously going to be the shooting. If he could be a consistent shooter, that means that he could play off ball. If he could play off ball, that means when he swings, the ball swings to him, he can attack closeouts and do some of the fun stuff that, you know, he has in his bag with his vision. It's all going to come down to how consistent of a shooter is he going to be. Some of the days he's been a good shooter, other days he hasn't been so good. Uh, but I do I was just going to say, I was just going to say Tyler talked about it. Like his, his release is really damn slow, man. Like yeah. it, it takes him like four seconds to get that ball. Sometimes it feels like it takes four seconds to get that ball up. And he's thinking about out of his hands. He, he is thinking about it. Do you, do you think that's going to come around a little bit at all? Do you think that the release is something that's going to get a little quicker as he works on it at the ignite level? Or do you think that's going to take maybe a little bit of seasoning and roughing up once it gets to the NBA? I think he's he's cognizant of it and he knows to work on it. I mean, uh, you know, he did a, a sit down with Schmitz that probably isn't going to get released because it's FIBA footage and ESPN can't use the FIBA footage. Um, but, you know, I listened to, to some of it because I did like a little teaser thing and I was watching through it. And that's one of the things they talked about. Like, you know, he, he knows he has to work on the shooting and being consistent. And so shoot if you're not a like a natural born shooter and even natural born shooters work at their craft like nobody's business it's learning how to shoot and being efficient and proficient at shooting is like a, a really long tedious process that doesn't happen overnight so i don't necessarily think we're going to see a different shooter by the time the g league season's over but you want to see like some improvements some positive upward trends and i think that since he knows to work on it, I think that, you know, there's a decent chance that we see that. Whether the shots go in or out, I don't know. But I don't think his shot is, like, broken by any means. I don't think it looks terrible. Like you said, it's slow, and it looks like he's thinking about it a little bit. So I, he's just got to let it fly, man. I, all these kids, let it fly. Let it fly. That, that's that's right. Tyler, is there anything else that you want to see from from Mr. Daniels throughout this the, this upcoming, or, or I guess the rest of the G League Ignite season? Is there anything else you, you you want to look at him and say, okay, if he does this, then he's definitely going to be a mainstay in this part of my big board? No, I, I think you know what Corey brought up interesting is some of these guys. It's so early that they don't they're still trying to figure out the speed. And Daniels, you know, like. What Corey just said, he was he looked quicker before, and it's not like he couldn't all of a sudden have some afterburners that he's just waiting to kind of figure out when to use. It's just adjusting to the speed, and that's stuff you're going to watch throughout the year. But what you said, Nathan and Corey, is just like 
he's a smart guy. You know, th- those are guys you check right away. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. The, I like the smart players that understand how to play within a system or create for others, put other teammates in position to succeed. So no, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch him throughout the year. I, I think you kind of already have an idea of what he's going to be. You just want to see everything keep moving forward. So Mr. Marjan Beauchamp is somebody I know that Corey's already talked about as somebody who he's, when he's flipping through these, these G League Unite games, he's definitely caught his eye. I'm also intrigued, although I don't know how high I should be on him quite yet. He's averaging 13 points per game across their first four contests. He had an 0-4 from the field in game two, but other than that, he's shot relatively well from the field overall, but he has struggled from three-point range, as has everybody else, of course, that we're talking about, but he was two at 12 from three-point range. His size, his length, his athleticism all stand out when you flip on the film. He is, without a doubt, the best athlete that we're talking about um, out of all of these guys. He is, I wrote down initially after the first game that he's a good transition player. I think he's actually a, a great transition player to the he he could be very well on his way to me giving him the elite label as far as transition play is concerned however I don't know what this guy does in the half court I have no idea what he actually knows how to do within half court offense he'll like he'll, he'll try and and play it off that he's comfortable hitting catch and shoot shots He'll do like these awkward half drives where where he kind of just like stops himself and he tries to go to this like post up or like this post fadeaway and it just doesn't work for him. That's not something he has full time in his bag right now. He's not the most aware cutter in the half court. He's not somebody who I want to be funneling offense through in terms of him creating on the ball. He's I don't really see him as a comfortable isolation guy right now. So I don't I don't exactly know what he does in the half court right now unless he's actually hitting some of those catch and shoot shots. But him in transition, dear Lord, he leaks out ahead of everybody else. And when he gets a full head of steam going towards the basket, even if the defense is kind of caught to him leaking out early and they've sent one or two guys back, it doesn't matter. He's going to finish at the basket. He's going to find a way to get around them or he's going to finish through them. He had a number of of really awesome end ones, especially in um, game four uh, against the Lakers team. So really intriguing combination of tools open court game but like i said i don't i don't know what he does right now in the half court Corey, what are some of your thoughts on on mr beauchamp why why is he why has he caught your eye specifically well even before the first g league game was played you know i'm going through looking for film uh, on some of these guys and i started watching him even some just some youtube highlights and i was like all right, this dude moves like a basketball player. And yep. I, there are certain things that I I think you actually can kind of take away from like a YouTube tape. Like, and I, I'm big on like kinesthetics. And I immediately I was like, all right, he moves like a basketball player. That's good. I don't know if he could play basketball, but he moves like one. And I'm like, all right, I wonder where he's at on a lot of these boards. And I'm looking, I'm like, nowhere to be found. Perfect. Sure. And I'm like, all right, so weird that he made his way to the G League Ignite. So I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I can't wait to watch this kid because he looks like he has some interesting tools and he's obviously got the the physique that you want in an NBA wing. Yep. And then he came out in that first game and I was like, okay, 
I'm in. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm not going to sit and proclaim that he's a top five guy or anything crazy. I was like, but I'm in that he's, he looks like the kind of guy I'd, I'm willing to bet on because he's got such a good NBA frame, ridiculous length. Like you said, transition, he's phenomenal. And not just like run and jump stuff, like he received, like he did a rim run uh, on one of the plays, got a hit ahead from Hardy, caught it, dropped and like went up for a layup. And I was like, that is like a really slick advanced move. For a kid who you would look at and be like, well, it looks like he's probably just going to try to yam it on everybody's head and try to be an athlete. But that was a really smart move because it wasn't he would if he couldn't jump over a piece of paper, he probably would have scored on it. So uh, I was really impressed by just even some of that kind of stuff. Obviously, in the half court, like if you can get him ahead of steam, like he's explosive. I am kind of intrigued because he reminds me a little bit of. Uh, like a Josh Howard. Um, mm. So, and you look at that and you're like, not like a superstar player. Most of the guys are not going to be all-star superstar type players that we're looking at. And I think like, this is the type of kid that if you're like patient with him in a, in like four years, like he could be a guy that's coming off your bench. That's just like, all right, let me go throw him on the jumbo wing du jour. And, and I think he could, you know, not have us get killed in these minutes and then he'll be able to do some fun things on offense. Like if you put, put him with a fun creator, which we don't really have here, I think he'll be able to cut, move off the ball, you know, get some easy points that way. And then if the jumper ever comes around, I think you got a guy that's going to be a rotation guy in the league. So I think he's got some really intriguing skills when you're not looking at like, Hey, is this a primary guy? If you're just looking at like, how does this guy fit on an NBA team? I could totally see him being an uh, effective role player down the line. Corey started to talk about some of the defensive stuff, Tyler. Um, I'll I'll get your thoughts, your overall thoughts on Mr. Beauchamp, but also definitely make sure you hit on the defensive end because that was one of the stark differences that jumped out to me between game one going through all the way to game four. By the time they played the Lakers, he was much more engaged defensively than he was through their earlier contest. He's out there hounding everybody on defense, stripping the ball away, getting some impressive steals and like, that's the effort level I want him to have on every single possession because it feeds into everything that Corey and I discussed about with him is that his transition play is borderline elite. How do you get out in transition? You force turnovers, you force missed shots, you play, you play awesome defense as often as you can and you remain engaged. And if that's, if that's the kind of wing I'm getting, if that's the kind of player Beauchamp's going to be possession to possession, then I agree with Corey. You can absolutely get me to buy in on him fitting in on an NBA floor Maybe not even as some guy you bring off the bench, like your seventh, eighth man. Maybe you can actually sell me on him being a starter in the NBA. What what, what do you think about his defense, Tyler? What do you think about Beauchamp overall? Boys, I am a fan. I am a very big fan. Um, I'm not all in, but I'm close. Like Corey said, it it was just, you started watching those games and I was just like, yes, I'm a believer. he just seems like a guy that causes chaos and in a good way. And he like flies all over the place. He's active defensively. He hustles for boards on both sides. Like, you know, he's, he's crashing the glass. He's trying to make extra possessions. It's just one of those guys you quickly are like, I love the energy. Um, 
nothing really jumped out at me that I was like terrified. I just was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued, like good size, high energy kind of flies all over the place. Like just checked a lot of boxes right away. And then I did the same thing Corey did. I just kind of started looking around, like, where does everyone have them? And I was like, why not hire? I don't get it. Like, it, it just seems like a guy that he seems like a perfect rotation, just a great asset that can develop and doesn't need to be a, you know, 20 point game guy to make an impact. Like he's just flying all over the place. He's trying to make winning plays at all times. And, you know, the same thing on the defensive side. It, it seems like he gives a shit, which I really think matters. Yeah, he like he's, he's, he's working hard. He's, you could see the confidence building where it's exactly like what you said, Nathan, during the Laker game, he was making some plays. We were like, okay, he's working. Like he's putting time in, he's punching the clock and going to work on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's the stuff that's going to jump out, you know, cause if the rest of the game starts coming around and showing some efficiency throughout the year for long stretches, then you're looking at a guy that maybe he's not going to have the highest upside, but teams might be intrigued at the idea of, like Corey said, he being a really nice rotation asset for a long time. Is there any chance he has a longer career in the NBA than Dyson Daniels because of what he does bring to the table or what he's capable of doing on a night-in, night-out basis? Like we talk about Dyson Daniels and we talk about his feel for the game. On the offensive end, he can make things happen. He, he's been the de facto point guard for that team at times, but you look at what Beauchamp brings and when we come down to what playoff teams, what good teams are looking for, they're looking for defense on the wing. And if this is the type of player that I'm getting from Beauchamp, you could definitely talk me into to taking him higher than somebody like Dyson Daniels. Do I think Dyson Daniels is going to go lower than Marjan Beauchamp in the draft? No, probably not. Um, Dyson Daniels is probably going to be drafted somewhere in the top 20, top 25. Beauchamp, maybe he's like a late first guy unless he really bursts out onto the scene later in this G League year. But there's also this scenario that I can completely envision where I fall for somebody like Beauchamp and he actually does end up having a, a longer career, a, a, a more successful career because of the, the amount of impact he was actually able to bring to a good team in terms of winning basketball games. Corey, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, first, I think that I'll I'll say that I'm probably a little bit higher on Dyson Daniels' defensive potential, maybe than it seems like you are. I'm, I don't think he's like uh, going to be a lockdown. I'm concerned you know, about his guy. body, and I know we don't have Albert on, who is the body doctor Z, on, on on the draft act, but I, I'm I'm concerned about him physically. I don't like his frame. I don't know how much he's going to be able to add. I think that if you're asking him. Like he he seems like somebody who I'll have him guard twos. Uh, if you ask him to consistently guard like threes or maybe even in a pinch guard up a spot to like a four, like I think there's a there's a strong no, chance no, no, that no. he gets abused physically. No, he's not. He's a two position defender. Maybe he can you know stay with a guy who's playing a three, like maybe playing up to the three. I, yeah. I think he's a two position defender. And I just wanted to preface that saying that I think I'm a little bit higher on his defensive potential because I think he's a pest. I think he's got quick hands and I think that he's, he's willing to defend. But when you ask, like, do you think that there's a chance that Marjan has a longer NBA career? I think that the answer could be yes, because I don't think that either one of them 
really have this knockdown shot that you're confident in right now. Yep. And like you mentioned, like what our NBA team's looking for is that defensive activity from the wing. And he's going to be a guy that you're, you you look at and you go, all right, he can only guard two positions. He's a guy that you, you're like, all right, can he guard four positions? And that I think is going to be more valuable than whatever Daniels brings uh, if he's not going to be a primary on-ball creator or a guy who could knock down shots at a high enough clip that the other interesting things he could do, actually you could bring out of him. So I definitely think there's a path for Marjan to have you know the better career. And I honestly think when games start being played and some of these college kids don't start living up to this high school preseason hype, and all of these boards we look back on and we go, oh, that was wacky. Why did, why does, why was this guy even listed here? That's insane. This guy's not never getting drafted, right? Like there are going to be a lot of guys like that. Marjan could be a guy that could rise a lot, rise a lot because he's the epitome of what every NBA team is looking for physically. Um, and if he shows any any signs of of improving that jumper throughout the year. I think that he's a guy that could that could jump up quite a bit, and maybe you're looking at him as like a guy around the 20s that you're like, hey, we can get this kind of three four wing that could guard a whole bunch of positions and maybe knock down shots. But yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot on that just because he's so athletic and he's he's the guy that every NBA team wants physically. My my belief, Tyler, I'll, I'll let you kind of answer that question a little bit too. My my belief is that if this guy really starts to figure out things in the half court. And maybe it does take him getting into an NBA system that 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 spells things out a lot more for him. He's playing with more intelligent players. He plays with a point guard who knows how to get him the ball in spots. Maybe we do see some more of those things. But like if that stuff starts to come around, I, I'm really intrigued by by Mr. Marjan. And then I'm assuming, given some of what you said as well, you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I, if he starts figuring out the half court and keeps doing what he's doing right now i mean we're talking about a guy like Corey hinted like he could climb in a hurry um i just keep thinking he's a disturber he's gonna do stuff on both sides of the ball that could make a difference with teams like you know i'm saying he could be a type of guy that comes in and in a close game and comes off the bench and gets you an extra possession that wins a game and it's all off of energy it's all off of passion and and that he gives a shit. And I know that seems ridiculous because like, I'm not saying all these guys don't care, but you could just tell he's playing every possession like through his skin. He's running with his hair on fire. And it's like, if the rest of the half court stuff, if things slow down, like that's a whole nother conversation of a type of prospect because he does make some mistakes where he's just flying all over the place. But I like that I you know, he's making the mistakes while going 110%. Like, I, I love yep. it. Um, because it's like he makes that mistake in the next possession, he's still going balls to the wall. So I just immediately, it was funny because when I was done watching him, I like wanted more film. And I feel like that's a great sign with any prospect. When you're like, okay, I'm hungry for more. Like, I want to keep watching this guy. And, you know, good size. Um, guard multiple positions, play your ass off, teams are going to like you in a hurry. They're going to be interested. So I definitely wanted to have the most most thoughts shared about those three guys. The last two guys I don't have any 
groundbreaking thoughts necessarily to share. We, we kind of have to talk about Michael Foster because he came into this G League season as one of the higher high school ranked recruits um, to, to play for this team this year. He's, he's played in three out of the four games. He did have a 23.15 rebound outing against the Santa Cruz Warriors. How and I were, were joking about this before Corey got on with us we started recording the podcast this is like the one game that the mystery game that nobody has film of for us to actually go back and, and really dissect so unfortunately may, maybe that might have changed some of my opinions a tad but it, look he, he's 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 a 6'8 house he's a big body forward he, he kind of reminds me of Jermichael Green a little bit he's an excellent positional rebounder he's an interior presence he's comfortable looking to score in the post he definitely wants to defend by the rim. I don't know how much I want him switching out and involved in any perimeter actions. I don't think he's going to be that great defensively away from the basket. But really, I I, I watched these games closely and I was waiting for him to kind of like blow me away and show me something like, okay, this is why you were ranked so highly coming out of high school. And he had this one kind of like fall away jumper that he got up immediately off the catch by the foul line, I think in their, in their game against Iowa and in the shooting stroke that he displayed on that shot, it just looks so natural, so pure to him. And I look at that shot and I'm like, okay, now you just showed me something. If this, if you have something like this in your bag, if, if you can be a proficient catch and shoot guy from like the elbows, you can space the floor a little bit. Maybe you're not spacing the floor all the way out the three point range, but if you're at least a threat to do one thing away from the basket, like you have me sold um, a, a, a lot more than you did just kind of hanging around the basket, waiting to, to do a lot of the cleanup work, just rebounding the basketball because again, you break down some of his film and it's like, okay, he can rebound really well, but how many rebounding specialists are actually getting drafted highly in the NBA nowadays? Like that, that they're few and far between. So you got to show me a little more. I don't think his athletic package is, that great apart from just his natural size he can be a bruiser but i don't know and i don't love it i don't love his face-up game overall either like he seems like a clumsy guy with the ball in his hand like i don't know how much i want him taking similar size guys or, or, or centers off the bounce i don't know I, I i i'm in a very very mixed bag in terms of my emotions about how i feel about michael foster core do you have any other kind of thoughts to chip in about mr foster no, I have a lot of the same feelings. I mean, he seems like a great G League guy, or like he'll be like a great Euro League guy. He seems like he was kind of, I don't know, born too late. Like he's more traditional. Like when you're watching, you're like, all right, he scored again. But like, <laughs> did he score like you want an NBA big man to score? Is it, he's just kind of like overpowering? I guess he's got good touch around the hoop, right? Um, and he's obviously strong. He, he's interesting. But I really need to – this is a wait and see for me because on the surface it seems like he doesn't really do a lot of the things that you value from a modern NBA big man. And it's not like he's, you know, Mr. Shengun who's like all that – has all those post moves and the footwork, but he still has kind of the modern parts of his game to him. Uh, or he's not like huge like a, a Daron Sharp or anything, right, like as far as height goes. So – I don't know. Like I said, I have to wait and see. It seems like we're trending away from those kind of players more and more. And it's just like, we're just playing any small forward at power forward. And I don't, so he's probably got to be a center, which means he's got to protect the rim. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, 
He's a bench big. He's a bench at big. best. At best. Okay. You know? So we're 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 kind of in the same boat then. Tyler, do you have any other earth shattering thoughts on on Mr. Foster? No, I, I mean extremely young, extremely raw. Um, I would have loved that Santa Cruz G League game not to be like the secret yeah. tape files that we were gonna try to hunt for years because it looked like you looked at that box score and you're like, excuse me, what did he do? But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just, I always get nervous when you have a guy that seems like he's going to be an undersized center that's big and, um, and it's not incredibly like explosive athlete. He's just on tape. You're like, okay, he looks like a big boy. And then you're like, oh, he's it's like six, nine, six, eight. Like it, it, I don't know. It just, one of those things where I think you're going to wait and see and, Maybe he turns it on and starts having a really impressive stretch of games towards the end of the year, and all of a sudden he starts to heat up as this long-term project with NBA teams. But I, I, I think I'm gonna wait and see, just like like you guys. Long way to go. So the wait and see of the wait and sees is the last guy <laughs> that 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 I'm I want to bring up at the very least to mention him. I think Corey might have a few thoughts on him, but Fon Bojang, <laughs> six nine forward. He's he's pretty raw physically. But you, you flip on the tape, and every now and then he does something that's pretty cool. He'll he'll take a dribble back. He'll he'll hit a step back three. He'll you'll see him get on the move in transition. He might handle the ball a little bit in transition. Might make a nice little dump off pass to somebody on the move. Like he he's he's a very curious player. I don't I don't think we we've seen much of him scratching the surface yet. I don't think he fully understands what he might be capable of one day he's he's incredibly raw but you see these tiny little flashes throughout the game right right now like i said unless he's doing something quick and transitioning he's generally just spacing the floor for everybody else so uh, i don't think we know what he's capable of but but Corey, any any thoughts that you'd like to share on on mr zhang yeah i mean i i was joking with you that i have this hard-hitting analysis it, he's <laughs> left-handed <laughs> he's left-handed guys which is a, a huge plus in my book. I, I'm a big fan of lefties right right from the jump. Like, he's got a nice-looking shot. And, he does. And right now, he's taking catch-and-shoot jumpers, and sometimes they're going in. And when they go in, it looks super pretty. I think he's got good size, right? And if a kid that is his size can knock down jumpers at an efficient enough clip, he'll latch on somewhere at some point. But... If all he could do is stand still and hit jumpers, he's another guy. He's not taking step-back jumpers in the NBA for a while, if ever, right? So if he's going to be a shooter, it's got to be stand still, catch and shoot, but also, like, how is this kid moving off of the ball to get open to get those catch-and-shoot shots? That's what we need to see from him because right now I don't need to see a ton of ball handling. I don't need to see anything other than how are you going to, you know, score a bunch of points on six dribbles throughout the game. That's what I need to see. Um, Cause the shot looks pretty, but I'm not sure that he does anything else. And even the shooting, I don't know if it's at an NBA level really make me interested in him as an NBA prospect. Like he seems like a guy that is two years away from being two years away from being two years away. Like he's, I don't Yikes. know if I see it with we, him. Well, we went a level deeper than, than <laughs> yeah. Fran for sure. I, I inceptioned that. 
Who is the, who is the guy that was famous for that? Bruno. I can never say his last name. Caboclo. Bruno Caboclo. Yeah. Yeah, Bruno. <laughs> yeah, but he had a few uh, moments, you know, in the last few years. He did. He's he he's had his cup of coffee, or or maybe even a little more than a cup of coffee. Maybe he's had like a like a venti at, at Starbucks. I don't I don't really speak Starbucks language for 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 all you fancy coffee drinkers out there. Just get get give me a medium Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But t- Tyler. Any any thoughts to throw in on Mr. Shang? Does he at least tickle your fancy a little bit? No, I mean he he like Corey said, he had a couple of plays where you hit him, you see him hit a spot up catch and shoot three, and you're like, wow, that looked really pretty. And then I think he had one block that I was like, okay, I'm gonna rewind that a couple of times. That was awesome. But then you know it's just so raw. He looks like he's got a long way to go. But there's definitely flashes that get you a little like, okay, I need to pay a little bit of attention maybe down the road, but Long way to go. Um, I didn't know he decommitted from Gonzaga, so that's an unbelievable fact. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much all I got about Fanbo. Amazing name. I hope he makes it just because of his name, because it would blow up. But um, it's pretty much all I have about the Zhang. Man, you you bring up Gonzaga. I can't wait to watch Chet Holmgren and Andrew Timmy just lay waste to everybody on the west coast god i god i can't wait i can't wait for the college hoop season boys we're almost there we're, we're recording this one more sleep until nightmare before it's the christmas eve nightmare before christmas <laughs> this this podcast is the nightmare before christmas with all three of us on it but you guys are just lucky i didn't give you a, a fan boner joke just now <laughs> What we call a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Never our, mind, our, we don't want him to be good. We, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't give Corey ammunition for the next 10 years. We can't do it. You hear that? Our excitement level for Mr. Zhang has reached an 11. So we, 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 we want you to do something. We want you to be good, sir. We're going to keep on watching. But that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much again to my audience out there for listening to each and every episode, showing the support that you do. Corey, where can everybody find what you're doing if for whatever reason somebody on my audience hasn't taken my advice the last i don't know three times you've been on this show and made sure they followed you where can they find you uh first and foremost you could find um the whole squad at uh no ceilings yes sir substack.com at no ceilings nba um if you follow that i mean all the links for everybody else are there but you could find me on twitter at Corey tullaba uh on youtube at the nba draft dude and if you go to those spots, you're fine. You know, you'll find the the Draft Act podcast at that point. Like you, you got this. You know how to use the internet. You've made it this far into the podcast. But yes, if if you haven't found the Draft Act, if you haven't found No Ceilings, I, I don't know how you would have found this podcast because I think we're all sharing the same content like four to five to six times a day because it's so good. It's worth being shared that many times a day. Tyler, one more time for my audience, where can they find you on Twitter? Just go to No Ceilings NBA. You'll figure it out. No. Um, <laughs> the same you know, answer as Corey. <laughs> you go there. You go down the rabbit hole. You'll you'll be plenty pleased. No, I, I'm I'm there pretty much my entire life. And then um, backcourt violation at backcourt V. But yeah, I'm at No Ceilings. That's my new home of residence. So um, it's been a fun one. I can't wait to get rolling tomorrow, boys. Our new home of residence. I'm yeah. so proud of what we've already done and. We, we've quite literally, as Mr. Zhang, we've only scratched the surface of our potential at No Ceilings. That's why we're called No Ceilings, right? 
yes. there's no floors, but there's also no ceilings. We're going to keep the content rolling. We're only going to get better. So lowbrow. Yeah. That's why there's no floors because we have lowbrow humor. <laughs> Corey came prepared with all the jokes tonight. I came yes, he did. Yes, quite he literally did. none. I'm on fire. That's why we pay him the big bucks, folks. That's that that that's right. That's right. That's why Corey's in charge of quite literally anything creative that comes out of no ceilings, other than when Tyler tries to be as creative as Corey. But I try. So, I try. He, he tries. Corey, Corey's the goat of creativity. Nothing uh, wrong with silver, time. Nathan. There's nothing wrong with the silver medal. There's nothing wrong with paid. silver. So there's nothing wrong with silver. Maybe Look, one of these days, you guys will teach me something. Maybe I'll make the podium one day. Who knows? We're the, we're the two grandpas, uh, apparently, Nathan, even though you're, you're younger than both of us. But right. the meme, let, you got to give yourself some credit, Tyler. I, meme master. Yes, I try. The meme, the meme master. Meme master, GIF maker. On, greatest yeah. on NBA Twitter. The good thing is, if you don't laugh at yourself, are you really doing anything? So I'm good at laughing at myself. Just sometimes people laugh with me, which is really fun, but no. <laughs> laughing with me, laughing at me, I can't tell the difference anymore. But um, <laughs> if, if you haven't followed me on Twitter, I don't know how you'd be listening to this podcast, but I'm, I'm at Draft Deeper. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, the collective at No Ceilings NBA. Subscribe to the Substack. Um, yeah, we 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 are so excited to keep getting out excellent content for you guys Monday through Friday, every single day. We're releasing a written piece. We're releasing a podcast. We will be doing some video work, some live reaction stuff. You can expect all of it from the No Ceilings team. And I hope you all are along for the ride because the 2022 NBA draft cycle is going to be one to remember. Um, there, there, there's a lot of names I feel like that haven't even bubbled to the surface yet that, that probably will. We know how this goes. We've all been around the block. Three, three months later, we'll be talking about somebody who wasn't even on ESPN's top 100 or didn't make Wasserman's initial top 50 or didn't make our top whatever, how many, however many deep we're going on the big board. Like it happens every year. So stay tuned to hear about those prospects as well as the big names. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and thank you for listening.